and my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it. We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal, you know that. Just like last night. But states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its 20 electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining factors in the race. Jill's a Philly girl. Well, I'm a screen guy. Oh, Pennsylvania. We love Pennsylvania. As we continue our series profiling leaders in Southwest PA, I'm excited for our conversation today with Christina Proctor. She's done incredible work organizing in Washington County. It's just a short drive down I-79 from Pittsburgh, but in many regards, it's a world away. You know, not so long ago, Washington County was solidly blue. The Gore Lieberman and Kerry Edwards tickets both won the county. Democrats had control of county government. Now, all that's changed, but that hasn't stopped Christina. Just two months ago, she assumed the role as chair of Washington County Democrats. She sits on the Democratic State Committee. And with her fellow activists, they opened a full-time prominent storefront office, and they're working their tails off. Uh, Paid off. Last year, they found an additional 9,000 votes in the county that the Clinton ticket didn't in 2016. So I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that and much more. You did it. You did it. In a district, President Trump won by 20 points in 2016. We followed what I learned in the Marines. Leave no one behind. Democrat Connor Lamb with a stunning upset. Christina Proctor, welcome to my kitchen table. Thank you for having me. Christina, we have listeners all over the Commonwealth and in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere. I don't know how many listeners we have in Washington County, so I'd be really curious if you could sum up your community in three sentences. How would you sum it up? Our county is fairly rural, working class, white. Gotcha. And you are, um, you know, an easy drive right up to, uh, to Pittsburgh, but in many ways uh, a world away. Very much so. So uh, if we could tease that out, uh, what do you mean very, very much so? Allegheny County is electing very progressive candidates, which we love to see, where Washington County is going very much in a different direction. We have been a county that has historically been Democratic, and within the last few years, we are losing our Democratic edge. Last year, for the first time, we have more registered Republicans than we have Democrats, and we have seen you know, in kind, we are losing elections consistently over the last couple of years. But it's a pretty even split, right? My understanding is it's uh, 65,000 registered Republicans to 62,000 registered Democrats. Yeah, it's less than a 5,000 difference. But if you look at the numbers of how many people voted for Donald Trump in the last election, you'll see that clearly we have a decent number of registered Democrats who voted for Trump and, you know, could, could be considered Democrats in name only. Now, that being said, I was, it was hardened to see uh, in preparation for sitting down with you that the, the Biden-Harris ticket found about 9,000 additional votes that the Clinton-Cain ticket couldn't find. So if we can just plunge right in, I mean, it seems like a while ago, but I think there's still lots to unpackage. You know, let's, let's talk a little about the 2020 race, your role in it and, and the county's role delivering our electoral votes back to the blue column. 
Yeah, so I think Washington County, we we were really lucky in that our Democratic committee and party have really grown in the last four years. So we went from a place um, when I got involved, I looked for the Democratic Party after the 2016 election, and I really couldn't find the Democratic Party. Now we're at a place where we have a website, a Facebook page, we have a an full-time year-round office in downtown Washington. So those things didn't exist four years ago. There was no way to connect with the Democratic Party. Um, it was, if you knew how to connect to the Democratic Party, you could. If you wanted to find it, you could not find it. So we're in a much different place this time. In 2020, we it worked out very well that we had a downtown office because, as you know, the Biden campaign did not open offices because of COVID. So most of their field organizers were working out of their home and therefore it was really difficult to connect with them. But here in Washington, we, our Biden organizers wanted to work out of our office. So they worked out of our office throughout the campaign and therefore we're really able to connect with volunteers and the general public because we were open. Allegheny County didn't have an office. Nowhere around us had an office. So we had people coming from West Virginia, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Westmoreland County to get signs and to connect with the Biden campaign. Well, that's fantastic. A lot a lot's unpackaged there. Maybe, maybe before we go any deeper, tell us a little about yourself, Christina. I mean, are you, are you born and raised uh, in Washington County or? No, I'm born and raised in Westmoreland County, actually, and moved moved around a little bit, but went to undergrad at Edinburgh University and then graduate school at the University of Cincinnati. Um, my degree is in applied experimental psychology, although I became a stay-at-home mother pretty much after I got my degree, so I've been a stay-at-home mom. I moved back to Southwest PA 10 years ago and have been in Washington County ever since. Well, so growing up in Westmoreland, County, whereabouts in Westmoreland? Irwin. Got it. Got it. Okay. I think a lot of folks might know that as a turnpike exit, but it's much more than that. So (laughs) growing up uh, in Irwin, uh, which is just down the road from from where you live now, I mean, a lot's changed, right? I mean, when you take a look at the last uh, three decades, politics and certainly the economy of the region has changed. So if you could speak to that uh, a bit before we unpackage uh, the 2020 race. I think the economy changing around here has played significantly into politics. The energy businesses that have come in, particularly particularly the fracking, has brought in so many transplants from Utah and Louisiana and all over the country are here for fracking. My kids go to school. I connect with all the moms and I know they're not local. They've moved here from Texas. They've moved here from Oregon. They're here for the fracking business and they brought their politics with them. So we've had a a very significant Republican influx into the area and it has really changed the political landscape for us. Um, So I think, you know, the energy businesses here that are thriving, and are an asset to the region have have changed the political landscape here and the decline of the coal industry. I shouldn't realize that. I mean, I, I knew at the beginning of the uh, the industry, it was a lot of folks who would come and uh, the hotel industry was was hot uh, because it was folks that would come and they'd spend a few weeks and they'd go back to Oklahoma or uh, or elsewhere. But you know, I suppose as we're losing a congressional seat in the Commonwealth's lost population that uh, 
any new transplant's a, a, a good thing. I know there's obviously a lot of strong opinions about, about the industry one way or the other. What about with organized labor, which has always had deep roots in the county? It, it does have deep roots in the county, and I do think it's one of the reasons that Democrats have been so strong in the region for such a long time. But as in many other areas, some of these union men and women are not voting for the Democratic ticket anymore, especially locally in these industries. So being a union household doesn't automatically mean that you're a registered Democrat anymore, where once upon a time, I think it did. That is a podcast series in its own right, but well, well said, Christina. What are some of the bigger unions currently and historically uh, when you look um, uh, across the county? So in this area, it would be the United Steelworkers and the United Mine Workers. And both of which are folks going to work each and every day or more so uh, retirees and pensioners? I mean, most of the people that, that I interact with that are probably actively involved are, are retirees, but there, there are people that are still actively working that are involved. So speaking of actively involved, you alluded to 2016. You moved to the county, I assume, prior to that. Well, where, where does your activism come from? I mean, does this go back to high school or was it something that happened more recently? No, it goes back to 2016, Donald Trump being elected. I think there was a lot of women like me who kind of paid attention to politics, voted, didn't really volunteer, were active. But after 2016, I decided to get involved in politics. Again, I mentioned that it was it was difficult because I couldn't quite find the local party. I connected with a grassroots group that was forming right after the 2016 election in reaction to the 2016 election, got involved with them, ended up taking over that group. On the heels of that, Connor Lamb's special election came, got very actively involved in his campaign, and then in 2018 ran for Democratic State Committee in my local Democratic precinct spot and won both of those and then was elected vice chair of the Democratic Committee and now currently the chair. Well, a belated congratulations and thank you. belated thank you for what you did in 2018. Uh, I hate to admit it, but that was the last time I was in Washington County was for um, the Congressman's Victory Party, which went late into the night and we didn't know uh, that the dust didn't officially settle yes. for some time. But what a what a special night. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, well, for better or worse, uh, this is a recurring theme that we've heard with this podcast uh, when you're talking about the county party is not necessarily having an office or even a, a website or, you know, a port of call for, for activists like yourself who were so fired up uh, four years ago or four and a half years ago now. So tell us a little about that. You know, you, you, you mentioned a grassroots organization, which I suppose is working in parallel and kind of at what point did the evolution or the uh, synergy begin? So I got involved with that group in 2000, March of 2017. They were having a judicial forum and by some amazing feat, they had almost every statewide judicial candidate in the basement of this library to talk to us in Washington County about their campaigns. It was very interesting to me because it was the first time I was ever going to go into a judicial primary having actually met everyone on the ticket and having a solid opinion about who I wanted to vote for. Um, so that was the first meeting I ever attended and really got got me involved. I continued to go to the monthly meetings. 
at first I didn't realize that it wasn't the Democratic Party. I didn't realize it was a grassroots group as compared to the actual Democratic Committee. It was probably a couple months in that I began to realize that and began to realize there was animosity between the two groups because of the grassroots existence. So it it took some time to learn about the landscape of, of the actual Democratic Committee and it, it had really been in dysfunction for about 10 years of lawsuits, former chairs suing former chairs. So it, it had really just reached a point where it just wasn't functioning very well, which is, I think, why the grassroots group organized it. After seeing the results of the 2016 election, there was a point where it was, we want to start accomplishing stuff, and it's not being accomplished the Democratic Committee. So. I eventually and myself myself and Ben Bright became leaders of that group. And then every four years, the Democratic Committee is reelected in 2018. We took the opportunity to get elected on the Democratic Committee so that we could take over the committee and get it functioning, which which I think we've successfully done. Oh, I would say so. And wow, that's a whirlwind uh, the last four years. Um all, all with all with the teenage da- daughter and the pandemic and everything else. So now that 2018 that you referenced was that before or after Connor's uh, Congressman Lamb's first uh, special election? So he was elected in March of 2018, and then we became uh, chair and vice chair in June of 2018. And I don't want to assume, but. I will assume that a lot of energy and activism that came about uh, in those wintry months, one led to the other and new activists kind of came out of the woodwork to help propel that victory. Yes, definitely. There was a lot of energy with the Connor Lamb special election. A lot of people who I haven't even seen since, since then, there was a lot of people that came out of the woodwork who were very excited for Connor Lamb um, and the opportunity to work you know, after that devastating 2016 election, it was kind of like everybody was channeling their energy into that election. And luckily it worked out for us. Well, just an aside, I remember um, on election day in March of 2018 being in, in Greensburg and in, in Westmoreland County. And it was there was so much energy. It was snowing outside, but all sorts of people. And it was all it was locals. It was people from Westmoreland County, which was uh, uh, super incredible. Mid- middle of the workday. But anyhow, let's move forward to, to last year, to 2020. And before we do that, when you look at a lot of these newer activists, are they concentrated in the northern part of the county? Or is it, ge- I mean, it's a large and ge- geographically maybe difficult even to travel around the county. It's, it's fairly rural, but. Yeah, no, they're really not. We're, we're dispersed pretty much all over the county. One of, one of our most active regions is Peters Township, which is close to the Allegheny County border. It's still very heavily Republican. It's one of our heaviest Republican areas, but we do have um, a lot of active people in that area. But we're, we're really all over the county. That's great. Okay, so at what point, I mean, it's, it's so exciting. And I mean, it's, it's something uh, that the vast majority of county parties cannot say. But at what point was there a decision to take out a lease on a, uh, a retail storefront office? So after the coordinated campaign was in here in 2018 and had rented a space downtown, and after they left in November, we contacted them 
the office owners to see about taking on the lease. It was, it's not incredibly expensive and trying to remember exactly. Oh, that's it. The county commissioners were running in 2019 and they agreed to give us a year worth of rent to open up that space. So we had the seed money to make sure that we could keep it open for the first year. And then, you know, because of fundraising, we've been able to maintain it since then. So just just remind our listeners, so there's there's three county commissioners, like many counties across Pennsylvania. And I think you just alluded to that there's two Democrats uh, and one Republican. There were two Democrats and one <laughs> Republican. Um, our, one of our Democrats lost in 2019. So now we have two Republican commissioners and one Democrat. But all this organizing is going to change that down the road. God willing. So, uh, okay, so that's fantastic. So with the office, you know, everything's coming along. And then, unfortunately, we hit a pandemic. So before we even get to that, uh, when you take a look at the activists and your committee folks across the county, were they leaning toward one presidential candidate or the other? I think we were pretty heavily Biden County. We did have a straw poll at one point, And sadly, I don't remember the results. But I do think most people were for Biden or Warren. It's great to say now, President Biden, he launched his campaign just uh, minutes up the road from the county line. We shouldn't forget that. And his last stop was minutes up the road from the county line. Okay, so great. I mean, so then I I would hope and assume that the answer was it wasn't too difficult to bring uh, all your activists and committee folks together to unite behind the Biden ticket. No, people weren't disappointed or or complaining if if they were that type. We weren't really, I guess, in communication to begin with because everybody was on board. And then at what point, I mean, that's that's fantastic that uh, the Biden-Harris campaign decided to put uh, organizers um, on the ground and even more so incredible that these younger folks decided to uh, to be doing things in a hybrid environment and not just purely virtual. So tell us a little about that. Who, who were these folks and um, were they local or were they transplants from hundreds of miles away? We were really lucky. They hired our first organizer in February of 2020. So he actually started before the pandemic. Really? Yes, and he can. So when uh, there was a robust primary campaign, I hadn't heard that. Okay. Yeah, because they, they were hired by it, it all ran through the state party. Uh-huh, so okay. the state, state party essentially hired an organizer to be on the ground for the 2020 election. So he was hired all the way back in February. And he was local. He he's young local gentleman who had worked on a bunch of campaigns over the last couple of years, knocked tons and tons of doors for various candidates. So he he was the first hire. And then in the summer, they brought in a transplant from Chicago. She was an 18-year-old girl and one of the most impressive 18-year-old girls I've ever met. She worked harder than anyone I've ever met. This young fellow, was he tasked, and, and for that matter, the, the Chicago transplant, were they tasked with just Washington County, or they also had Green and and Fayette and Westmoreland, kind of the whole ecosystem of Southwest PA, or was it really that granular, that that county-specific? It was granular. They had pretty much just Washington County. They had two different, you know, he was responsible for one portion. She was responsible for another portion. And, yeah, so we we were really lucky to have two organizers hired for this, this county. So looking back, I think it's safe to say that the dust has settled. I mean, what 
lessons. I mean, you, so you had a front row seat to 2018, uh, including that very special, special election. And then certainly last year. I mean, what, what, what lessons learned, uh, with an eye certainly to the future? I mean, what can we build upon that were great successes? And what were, you know, obviously the corollary to this is what could have been done a little bit more efficiently or differently? You know, some of the things that I was frustrated with on the Biden campaign were really specific to the, the pandemic, the lack of opening offices, the lack of events. You know, I, I think may have hurt the campaign. It didn't hurt it enough that they didn't win, but, and luckily we had the office, but other areas didn't. And so there was a lack of energy and there was a lack of connection between volunteers and the Biden campaign. But that's also very specific to the pandemic. The biggest takeaways that I hope politicals realize is the importance of red counties. If Washington County didn't move 3% and all these red counties throughout Pennsylvania didn't move by these tiny percentages that seem unimportant, they are important. They all added up to Biden winning without those small 3% moves that we had here in Washington County. If we didn't have that and all the other red counties in Pennsylvania didn't have that, Biden wouldn't have won. Well, I agree with you loud and clear. And I, I like that term politicos. I, I don't know who the thousands of politicos are that have tuned in and been listening to this podcast, but I hope they take that to heart because there's only so many votes that we can squeeze out of Philadelphia and you know, for that matter, when we look at the breakdown in Philadelphia, the, unfortunately, President Trump received just about as many votes as he did um, four years ago, uh, percentage-wise. So I hear you loud and clear. And across dozens of counties of Pennsylvania, this is the mantra that our candidates need to uh, to hear. You've been super generous with your time, and I, I you know, I don't want to plunge into 2022. That'll come soon enough, and I hope we can reconnect. But tell us with the, you know, I don't want to neglect uh, the important races that are coming down the pike this November. So give folks a lay of the land uh, county-wise and then, you know, certainly with uh, organizing for the judicial candidates. So countywide, we don't have a ton. We had a court of common pleas race that was decided in the primary. We have a countywide controller, sheriff and recorder of deeds race. So we only have three countywide races. We have a couple of small um, magistrate races in various regions, and then we have the statewide. Is there anything, any kind of hot township races or school board races? Uh, I just sent a letter to every Democratic candidate on the ballot in Washington County, and there's 254 candidates. So you know, there is a lot of school board races. There's a lot of township supervisor races. So I'm not really sure there's any real hot races. The Peters Township area that I mentioned has probably the hottest race in terms of school board and township supervisors. But otherwise, there's a lot of candidates in a lot of races. I just so I always like to uh, remind folks, it was less than a decade ago that Congresswoman Madeline Dean in the other corner of the state of Montgomery County was a township supervisor. And before that, she wasn't active in electoral politics much. And, you know, now she's the vice chair of the U.S. House Judiciary Committee and was an impeachment manager. So we really should keep an eye on these, these local candidates. And I appreciate you helping out the 254. That's, that's probably a high watermark in recent years to recruit that many Democratic candidates. That's how many are on the ballot. And we do, we've had, you know, we, we are losing at the countywide level but we are not losing in local elections. So we do see the township supervisor and the school board races as our building blocks to 
future state house, future commissioner, future Congress, men or women. So we do focus on those races. And, and we have seen last cycle, municipal cycle 2019, we had some people win in very Republican areas that were Democrats. And so it can be done. And if we get the right candidate, we can win these state house seats back. Amen to that. So with um, with the night of the judicial uh, races up in uh, November, uh, which are incredibly important, but let's all admit they're going to be a lower turnout affair. I mean, how, as we thank God are moving out of this pandemic, how are you keeping your activists and this energy from last year, uh, really from the last four years? And how, how, how do we keep the focus on November? So I've actually been really surprised because I thought, you know, I saw the energy dive after Connor Lamb's special election, which which was unfortunate because we were moving into the midterms. But so many people put so much energy into the Connor Lamb's election. They felt like they got their win and then they took it easy. I was expecting after 2020 there to be another huge dive. Everybody would check out and my volunteer base would decrease significantly. And in fact, I've seen a completely opposite. I've seen people who weren't actively involved in 2020 contacting me now to get involved. So I think the January 6th insurrection may have been a catalyst for some people to step up the, to the plate. It was, it, that was the factor that finally pushed them to want to get involved. So I, I have been surprised to see that the energy is continuing and people who weren't previously involved are ready to get involved now, which was kind of came as a big surprise to me. Well, that's a good surprise to uh, to wind down on. It is. <laughs> yeah, any any final thoughts uh, before we, uh, we 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 part ways? Other than folks need to come to the Washington County Fair this summer. Yes, come to the fair, our picnic, our banquet. Come to all of our events. <laughs> Tell us that you alluded to fundraising, which which pays for the lease and uh, this great organizing that has restarted in the county, but uh, is, is the picnic and the banquet? I mean, is that primarily how you guys do this grassroots fundraising? So our picnic's absolutely free. It actually costs us money. Most of our fundraising does come from our banquet. That is our biggest fundraiser of the year. 2020 was very successful for us in signs. We, we asked for donations for signs. We ordered and gave out 11,000 signs, but most people were very willing to hand us a $20 donation for a single Biden sign. So uh, we raised a lot of money last year. I'm not good at math, but that's, uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, Christina, thank you so much for your time and more so the work that you've been doing the last four years and really looking forward to seeing what the next um, four years uh, are going to bring. Thanks. It's nice talking to you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. As Hillary Clinton used to say, it takes a village. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Sarah McGrath and Jake Schwartz. If you liked this discussion, we would love for you to give us a review, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a suggestion on a future guest and other feedback, visit our website, papoliticspodcast.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PA Political Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.